With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice, Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland as again we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park this week. And just before we sat down to record, Everton confirmed that they had reached a pre-contract agreement with Jonas Lossell to sign on a three-year deal from July the 1st. So we'll be discussing uh, our favourite free transfers uh, in Everton history and also what this means, what Lossell's arrival will mean for Martin Steckenberg, who perhaps increasingly looks like the odd man out. And we'll also discuss the what seems like the impending departure of Marco Silva's number two, Joe Pedro Souza, and whether or not uh, enough has been made of Marco losing his trusted number two of uh, many, many years. Um, Preno, you look the most confident, so I'm going to ask you first. Who's huh. um, your favourite free transfer in Blues history? It's a very, very difficult one to answer because most of the uh, the, you know, the favourite signings you can think of, they've always been like nominal fees attached. Yeah. Uh, I think Paul Power was like, you know, magnificent signing, but I think he cost like 50 grand or something. Uh, Nigel Martin was another, I think there was a nominal fee attached. Andy King, 35 grand. Obviously the most recent Seamus Coleman, 60 grand. There's always a small figure attached. So to be a completely, you know, sort of free transfer, there's probably one in the 70s or 80s that I've bound to have forgotten. So I'm going to go right up to date and uh, Gareth Barry, who I just thought was such a, uh, an inspired deal at the time. And it's one of those that flew under the radar. The people like shrugged and went, oh, really? You know, so a guy that's like, you know, way past his peak. He's got no pace. You know, do we really yeah. need him? And I think it was only like a couple of months in when you suddenly thought, wow, th- this player is a proper midfield general, you know, so holds things together. He's consistent, um, very rarely injured. You can argue that lacked a little bit of discipline at times, but he was the cleverest man in the world at just picking up that tactical booking when necessary and not getting sent off. I think he had that mad record of having more bookings in you know it's a history without did, red yeah, cards, yeah, 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 <laughs> which you know, which you know, so it takes some doing that. So you know, whilst I try and scour the memory banks and think of one from the seventies or eighties that cost absolutely nothing, um, Gareth Barry, I think you know, is one that doesn't get enough credit, and you know, possibly you could argue that we sold him earlier than we should have done. Ronald Koeman admitted that you wanted to give him first-team football, couldn't guarantee him first-team football, which is why you allowed him to move on. Uh, and I think, you know, so he continued to show that you could still perform, you know, at a Premier League level even then. So short-lived and, you know, so only a couple of years of his Everton career, but he cost nothing. So I would, I would argue Gareth Barry. And while one of you three are, uh, you know, so discussing the next one, I'll try and scour the, uh, <laughs> scour the internet. The for well, interest, interestingly, uh, yeah. Gareth is a free agent this summer. Really? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, his, his, his usefulness has now probably been outlived. And now I couldn't, I, I certainly wouldn't advocate bringing him back. Uh, but for the, the time that he was at Goodison Park, yeah, he was, uh, he was a proper Everton player. 
And uh, we, were, we were banging the drum for him to be recalled to the England squad. And he was laughing about it, saying that because I scored a long range goal against was it Norwich. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, so suddenly, you know, so I'm being touted for England again. But no, it's, it's consistency levels and his performance levels, you know, sort of were excellent. And uh, if Jonas Lossell has anything like the influence on <laughs> the club that Gareth Barry did, that'll be a great free transfer. Bees, yeah. spotlight's on you. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm going relief. next now because Gav, <laughs> I get one more to choose from. Um, I'm going to I'm going to say, uh, like Dave was mentioning, you probably struggled to get one from the 70s and 80s because it's only since the Bosman ruling came yeah. through yeah, that fair Everton comments. would tend yeah. to bring in free transfers. I mean, otherwise it'd be more the domain of the lower division clubs. Um, so I'm going to go for Stephen Naismith. Yeah, um, good shout. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's different different circumstances because it wasn't so much a um, a usual end of contract, but the Rangers collapsing as a, as a club, the meltdown, and there was a bit of a hoo ha over that whether Everton would end up paying a fee, but they didn't. They got him on a free transfer. His first season looked like a game trier, but nothing mm. special uh, under David Moyes, his fellow Scott, who brought him and perhaps out on the wing a lot of the time wasn't as effective as he could have been, but really blossomed under. Roberto Martinez, often an, an impact player. I mean, that amazing day when he came off the bench against um, Chelsea, scored a perfect hat-trick after coming on as a substitute. And let people forget you. Actually, you, as you say, he was on the bench. Yeah, yeah. early, was it to Besic, I think, yeah. an early injury. He came, he came on. He's a great player, great, great guy around the club, off the pitch as well, re- really well-liked. And Everton actually... Did well in the end because they, they, they signed, him, yeah, well. signed yeah. him on a free transfer, and I think they sold him for eight and a half million to, to Norwich City, and he not he didn't really do much there. And obviously, he's been on, on loan against Liverpool since, on his yeah. debut. Yeah, I think he sort of peaked yeah. too early then, and then he went quickly downhill. So Everton definitely got the the best years out of him, and he he, he was a, a really uh, effective uh, piece of business um, for the club. And, and of course, Prenos, I'm sure you're about to enlighten us. We're still. Getting stuff from Stephen Naismith. Oh, I was going to relate a different anecdote. Uh, and Bob, if people are listening, they've got young children in the room. There might be a little bit of colourful language coming up, so <laughs> put their hands over their ears very quickly. Uh, but no, Everton are still getting money for him. I think Bill Kenwright negotiated the deal uh, with Norwich that if they ever got promoted, uh, Everton would get a further million pounds. So three and a half years after he last kicked the ball for the club, Everton pocketed another million quid. The gift that which keeps is, on giving. Which is quite, Crazy, a, yeah. quite, quite a shrewd deal. But no, the anecdote I loved was... Um, he, he was not particularly highly thought of when he signed, if you recall, Stephen Naismith. You know, so people just were a little bit underwhelmed yeah. by his signing. And he got a bit of flack from the crowd. And uh, I remember the, was it Liverpool, he scored his first goal against, um, you know, in a, in a derby match. And his wife used to come and sit in the main stand. And, you know, you can imagine, you know, no one knew who she was. So she's having to sit there and hear all this abuse being, you know, so sort of held at her husband. He was like, so, you know, pulling his tripe out out there on the pitch. Mm. And uh, it might have been the Chelsea game. Uh, where you know he, he scored his third, and this guy apparently yeah. had been sat behind her, who'd been just giving him dogs abuse throughout his entire Everson career, <laughs> and she couldn't help herself. She just turned around and goes, "Oh, he's not so shit anymore, is he?" <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you can imagine, you know, so friends and family of footballers who are having to sit in the stand and listen to all this, <laughs> and you can't do anything, can you? Otherwise, you end up in fights every game. Yeah. But you know, she just she just couldn't help herself. She just, been, I just thought that was great. You know, uh, so. certainly in that second half of Martinez's first season, that he was terrific. Wasn't he? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the two observations I'd say about Naismith is the first being um, when he scored for them, he scored in big games, yes, didn't he? Yeah. You have a look. His records. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he was scored against Liverpool. He is 
and I, I sadly oh, worked this goes. out. I sadly worked, worked this out. Well, when when he left Everton, there was only one player who's in in inside Europe who scored more league goals against teams managed by Jose Mourinho than Stephen Naismith. Is right. that right? Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. The player? He that, scored against Chelsea home and away. He scored at Stamford Bridge, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He scored and scored. Obviously, the hat trick scored five. Fella called Xavi Prieto, who plays for Real Sociedad, I think, in uh, in Spain. He was, so forget about Messi, Ronaldo, and all that. Gav, stuff, I like, bow yeah. to you on there, didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. I, I, I sadly worked <laughs> out that there was only Xavi Prieto. This at the time, I think somebody like Aguero's got probably got him on. But there's not even that. There was miles ahead. Yeah, like, yeah. it was like in the Premier League. I think he had five Premier League goals against Mourinho, mm. you know, and the next dash was two. Yeah, um, and um, but he, he always scored. He scored against. Arsenal as well, didn't he? United at Old Trafford, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a he was a player who scored in against the big big teams, and also I would say, certain last five ten years, probably the best finisher we've had at the uh, yeah at, at the club. You know, he was a clinical finisher. Yeah, if you yeah. remember as well, he was also a good guy off the pitch. Oh, I mean, yeah. he had that thing guy. every Christmas whereby you would go to the homeless centre in uh, in Liverpool and serve yeah. Christmas dinners on Christmas Day yeah. uh, to to the homeless. You know, it just you yeah. know. Proper and selflessness. Dad supports the Whitechapel. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Without trying to sound too cynical about the modern game, he did it because it was his choice rather than being saying this is, you yeah. know, this is good PR or whatever. Like, you know, it, it's a good, uh, good reflection on his character. Of uh, a semi-second, of a semi-second thing. Yeah, he's the best finisher <laughs> the, uh, I've seen in the last five or ten years, and an all-round good guy. And I, I totally agree. He'd be, he'd be the best. But that was Bezo's choice. So yeah. you, you've, you, basically, by trying to, you know, I'm, sort of jump on the line with his selection. Not, not for, not for the first time on the pod. I'm ra- rambling incoherently uh, with a few trying to remember it, and I can't think. I can't think of anybody yeah, that, that we yeah. brought in on a free who's been, who's been. You know, wow. I oh, mean, well, we've got was, some of the current squad. I was going to say, all right, yeah. then, Gavin, let me help you out a yeah. little bit. Let me ask you, could Bernard be in that bracket? Well, what, what I was going <laughs> to say, what I was going to say, and this goes back to Bees's point, mm. because of the Bosman ruling, a free is not necessarily a free, is it? Um, as such as that, as we've seen, there's at least one player on the club. What that means is, because you've got them on a free, you, ma- you max haven't out paid, on the you haven't paid a transfer fee, fee, but you max yeah. out that you 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 max out on the wages. So yeah. what you would have paid on on the transfer fee, you then paid to pay in wages sure. to the player. So it's not necessarily like years ago you're on a free and you're just on the same wages as everybody else. You know, um, Samuel Eto'o was a free transfer well, that cost the club a fair <laughs> bit of money. Yeah, so. yeah. Tom Cleverley, I mean, he was not yeah. the same level as Eto'o yeah. in wages, but again, yeah, he was free and yeah. one sold a, a good profit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. There's, um, I'm. I'm um, <laughs> lost for words. Uh, that that does not very often. But no, mm. I think f- for me, I know. I know we're saying before about nominal fee and stuff. I think Nigel Martin was just, um, you know, totally, uh, totally fat. I think it was four hundred. It was four hundred grand. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I wrote that in my sad stats book. You know, so I, I dug it out recently, and it, it, it's like you accuse me of yeah. being sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I need books to actually remind yeah, me yeah, of these yeah, things. Yeah. But no, go on, Max Lyrical about Nigel. I, I, was I just thought he yeah. was. Um, but my first reflections on him is A, if you'd have got him 10 years before, when which I we should have know, done. The, know yeah. the story, um, which I'm sure he'll, he'll relay uh, better better than me. Um, and B, even at 40, he's still probably the best Premier League goalkeeper we've had since Southall. And I'd say yeah. he's better than Nevin as Nev's last two or three years. You, you give that surety to the defence and calmness and just seeing it all. Before type thing and and 
I think it was his ankle one in the end, was it? I think um, I confused. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was probably good for another good two or three yeah. years when he was two thousand five six. He was um, he was he was still performing really well. And um, Tim Howard, I'm afraid, was not not as good as Nigel at his no, no. peak. Oh, nowhere near. He had presence. He had yeah. athleticism, but he had also this calm demeanour. Yeah, know, he spread assurance amongst the back four. And there's no coincidence that you know with an absolute. Did I say bang average team in 0405? You know, we, we got fourth, and I think Nigel was a key part of that, you know. And he produced one of the great Premier League performance Everton player, certainly probably by a goalkeeper, which is Anfield in yeah. January 2004, and a goalless, goalless draw. And, and Nigel spent most of the most of 90 minutes trying to stop Stephen Gerrard from scoring, didn't he? You well, know? in our old office, yeah, yeah. In, a, in, a, in an old Hall Street, now in a St. Paul's Square, but just across the road. But in our old office, there was always this huge, big image on the wall uh, from that game. And uh, I couldn't work out whether it was Hippier or one of the other, mm. you know, sort of blonde hair <coughs> players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this header from literally about four yards, course, yeah, yeah. and Martin tipping it, you know, spectacularly over the crossbar. It was it was one of the great goalkeeping performances at Anfield, only on a par with Georgie Woods in 1978, 79. Yeah. And how Everton—that's the greatest larceny I've ever seen in a football match. Everton were battered from start to finish, and George Wood was a one-man barrier between the greatest Liverpool team has ever being that 78-79 and Everton and then as he often did eight minutes from the end Andy King stole an equaliser Dalglish was the only man that could get past uh, George and, Wood. And, and it was, better, it was yeah, incredible yeah. but no that anecdote you're talking about is Everton should have had Nigel Martin 10 years before they did and it was weird because Joe Joe Royal the manager he tried to bring in Paul Gerrard as a, a long term replacement for Neville Southall and it never really worked I mean Paul Gerrard had injuries, uh, he had a b- b- bad knee issues. And I, equally, I don't think he was quite as good as Joe thought he was going to turn out to be. He accept- accepted this and so tried to uh, bring in another long-term successor. And there were a couple of players he had earmarked, one of which was Nigel Martin, uh, who was on the move at the time from Crystal Palace, I think it was. And um, he was at his peak. And so Everton arranged for him to meet at Park Food, uh, which was where Peter Johnson, the chairman, and Cliff Finch's right-hand man, had their offices to discuss terms. And he came with his agent, and he was very, very open to the idea of signing for Everton. Sat down in the entrance and was kept waiting for a ridiculously long time. And then, you know, so eventually Cliff Finch came out, and they were a little bit irritated, you know, so as you'd imagine being kept waiting for an hour or so. And uh, said, you know, some, you know, really sorry, you know, so he kept you waiting, but, you know, we can see you now. All right, well, we haven't got that long because, you know, Leeds United also want to talk to us, doing a bit of brinksmanship. Mm. And so mm. rather than just say, oh, we're awfully sorry, let, let's bring you in and, and talk terms. Cliff, for whatever reason, you know, known to himself, said, oh, well, if you need to go to Leeds, you know, so you, you better get on your way then, hadn't you? You know, so there's a, I can give you directions. And Nigel Martin, last year, he was given directions on how to get to Leeds by, you know, so the Everton director who was trying to sign him. So they allowed them to leave the premises. He then went to Leeds uh, and they knew as soon as the, you know, so as soon as Leeds got, you know, Howie Wilkinson got his eyes on him, they weren't letting him leave until he got his uh, signature on a contract. Anyway, he did. Everton missed out on him. So, you know, Joe was fuming when he heard this and uh, then targeted Mark Schwarzer. He was a Bradford goalkeeper who'd done very, very well in the cup competitions that year against against Middlesbrough, I think. And um, again, for whatever reason, you know, so Peter Johnson couldn't be convinced that he was, you know, sort of the, the right idea and so wouldn't sanction the money. So 
Joe is sat at home one night watching the League Cup semi-final, I think it was, when Stockport, sorry, Stockport goalkeeper, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Stockport were, were playing against Middlesbrough and uh, he had this absolutely inspired performance to which, you know, so Joe related the tale to me. Peter Johnson rang him and I can't do his voice, I won't even try, but he says, uh, Joe, Joe, this goalkeeper's really rather good, isn't he? Why didn't we sign him? Uh, and, and Joe said, yes, I could have sworn down the, down the line to him. So two, I mean, Mark Schwartz eventually became a very, very reliable, you know, sort of long-term yeah, Premier League goalkeeper. goalkeeper. So two great goalkeepers that we could have missed out on. Fortunately, the club's transfer strategy is now completely different. Uh, so missed out on two good goalkeepers. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We've spoke about this, I think, on the pod before, but um, Lossell is a free, but he's also coming from a relegated club. Have we got any issue with that? No. Some of our some of our better signings have been from relegated clubs, haven't they? Or you look across the park, the other shower have made uh, a habit of doing that over the last few years. Andy Robertson was signed from a relegated club and was excellent. Shakiri was signed from a relegated club and he was excellent. Um, Wijnaldum uh, Jorginho Wijnaldum was the third one thanks Chris I was struggling yeah. from the other one there <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it was excellent so yeah it doesn't matter at all you know, so, so. of our best 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 of yeah. buys I mean Jags was relegated wasn't he yeah, yeah. Sheffield United, United yeah Les Scott had been at Wolves when he'd been relegated but I think he Idrissa yeah. yeah of course Idrissa yeah. Gay I mean Leighton was signed from Wigan and they, they played Sheffield United on the last day to, yeah. to stay up hadn't he you know so Zuma on loan had gone down last season with Stoke. I know yeah, it's slightly different, yeah. but yeah, it's, I know the, the same principle, isn't it? Really, not got a problem. Sometimes when you're looking for value, they're the uh, they're the best, aren't they? Really, because the club's got to sell. Pickford, did he yeah. go down? Yes, yeah. Under under David Moyes, wasn't it? I, th- I think with goalkeepers, it, it's it's an interesting one. There's there's two factors. A has his confidence been absolutely shattered by playing mm. behind a defence that is like you know so leaky, or B is he so busy that he's had the opportunity to show you know so how, skills uh, exactly how good <laughs> yeah. he is, you know in Pickford's case you know so clearly it was you know so uh, Lossell who knows we just have to wait and see. No, no. Going back to my point though is that's sometimes where the best value is in the in the transfer market, isn't it? The clubs are going down and yeah. got to sell because they can't maybe can't afford the wages or whatever and need to raise money. Uh, so they've got to sell the best assets, but they're not going to get best value for them because they need to sell. And there's, there's you know, as a buy, buying club, it's, it's a good opportunity, isn't it, to, mm-hmm. to snap all players up who maybe, if the club was still in the Premier League, be paying a bigger premium for. So, absolutely not got a problem. I think it's an interesting one, get, given his age. For a goalkeeper, he's probably at the peak of his powers. Um, yeah. He's not a young lad, and he's not a grizzled veteran who's, you know, very much in his autumn years. This is someone who you'd think would be wanting to play, but... You know, he's coming into a team there where Jordan Pickford is very much the established number one, England's number one, and you'd have to hope that he doesn't get much game time because if, if he is getting game time, either there's been a horrendous injury to Jordan Pickford or a loss of form. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, I just think it's an interesting one from his point of view because I don't know how how many minutes he'll get on, under his belt, but I think he's, he's a good one to certainly have in there as your number two. And that's the assumption, isn't it? And I think that is the, fe- the sort of feeling as it stands that he would be number two. So, um, what about Martin Stecklenburg, Gav? Does he increasingly feel like the odd one out? Does he, he accept pick? being number three and a mentor to these younger goalkeepers in the Senate Virginia on loan? What do you think? What's your hunch on, on, on Stecklenburg? I'm more worried about Jal Virginia, to be honest with you. Uh, Stecklenburg has failed 12, one, 12, 12 months. months. Yeah. To see out his contract, perhaps. 
I mean, I'm not sure whether he can move elsewhere, but he's not going to be, you know, you, you, I wouldn't put him third. I'd put Virginia third, to be honest with you. Put him fourth. But mm. it's it's that it's that twilight world of the, uh, the backup keeper again, isn't it, really? Mm. Um, it, it's like a... It, it's like a career within, yeah, a career, isn't it? Really, you know, it's 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 very. It's also, you know, it, there's a bit of bit of darkness to it, really, isn't it? Like a bit of vagueness about the about what they do. I think, um, I think in the Premier League stats, <clears throat> Pickford had played every game, every minute, three thousand four hundred twenty minutes of Premier League football. Steckenberger sat on the bench for three thousand four hundred twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, who was the fellow we had in Howard's? The, the, the gym fellow we had Vessels, Vessels yeah it was he played know, four or five games, games he played he, against yeah. Oldham in the FA yeah, Cup and he, he was hopeless Man United yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, Marcus Hanneman's the one who actually played no football whatsoever yeah. that we had mm. uh, at the club for a year yeah. or so that's right yeah Carlo Nash only ever played one game in the Europa League yeah. dead yeah. rubber but yeah there's a couple of yeah. you know goalkeepers that have been there the one I always felt sorriest for was Jason Keaton he was uh, the Australian keeper who was like back up to uh, Neville South and when Neville was his absolute peak. And I think about five seasons he was there and just never got a game until Neville, I think, finally got sent off, didn't he? And he, he, got, he got a game at Aston Villa. Uh, but it's, it's a lonely existence being a backup goalkeeper. You yeah. have got to have a very peculiar mindset uh, to make a, a success of that. How, how will we look back if it, if it does transpire that he leaves or again, maybe doesn't or stays and, and doesn't play for the club again? How do we look back at Stecklenburg's? Time with Everton. Steady. You remember the two penalty serves at Man City. That'll, that'll yeah, be the yeah. high point. Um, yeah, he didn't actually make you, you know, sit back and you know go, wow, you know, so what a performance. He, he was just steady. He was reliable, um, and that, that's good for a goalkeeper. You know, so you want a goalkeeper that you know spreads a bit of assurance. I can't think of any high-profile clangers uh, that that he dropped. Um, you can think of that one inspired performance at Man City that helped you know so the club get a point that day. Um, so. Yeah, you know, steady. That, 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 that's not damning him with faint praise. You know, yeah. that's that, that's decent. Mm. But he was another one who was brought in seemingly as number two, wasn't it? When he when he when he first came in, the the idea seemed to be that they were going to bring in somebody else as number one, but that number one never mm. turned he, up. He so became, he ended up, yeah. Being, well, fifty percent of the time he was number one, and fifty percent of the time Joel, he was Joel. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they, for somebody who was only ever brought, okay, he's been at the peak of the game, played in the World Cup final. Of course, we can't discount that. Yeah. You know, big times at Ajax and, and Roma you know this was a high profile player in, in his time and his younger days but yeah for somebody who was never envisaged to be number one you know he, he's had a he's had a solid Everton career I think maybe he's in in some supporters eyes he's sort of tarnished as you know he was Koeman's first signer wasn't he you know he was the one that came in on July the 1st for a nominal fee he was he's somebody Koeman had, had, had had at Southampton and at Ajax and yeah Almost, I was a guilty by association, but you know what I mean in terms of being the same na- yeah, nationality, and etc. Mm. Maybe, but I'm not sure that matters now. I mean, I think that's, I think I would imagine trying to do well, we need to reduce the wage bill, you know, we'd be probably on a healthy, like you know, yeah, first sign. And as you say, the yeah. time when we had we had a bit of money to throw around and machine his first summer, I would imagine they'll try and get him off the uh, the wage bill to be honest with you there. So, um. Because I don't think you were in the in the pod the mm-hmm. other day when we when we discussed the potential of signing Lossell. Um Preno was underwhelmed. Gav felt it was it was sort of solid solid business. Where do you sit on on that yeah, argument? Look, it's a good piece of business. Like I said, given his age, I just wonder what he's thinking himself. I think from Everton's point of view, to get somebody who's been playing in the Premier League 
who is a, a good age for a, a goalkeeper in that he, he's not too young. He's got that experience, but you know he's not in his autumn years yet. He should be at the peak of his powers. That's good for Everton, but just I'm not too sure what he gets out of it unless he, you know, he believes in himself, which you, you know you've got to do, and he somehow thinks that he he, he can um, play quite a few minutes for Everton. Um, you you never know what might happen. You, you don't want it to happen, but you know if, if Pickford picks up an, an injury at any point, maybe you get a, a run in the team. And of course, in his two seasons, we're reliably informed before we came in. In his two seasons in the Premier League, he registered two assists against Manchester United. <laughs> wow! Okay, <laughs> more from bachelor clearances down the pitch. Yeah, obviously so. yeah. the one fairly recently, and I think it was one where they beat them three-one last season. Yeah. I think lumping I think it along and go on. Gavin, tell me otherwise. I can't think of any other Everton goalkeeper. I can remember them on the scores, but you know, assists. I can't, I can't remember the direct assist. Joe had a direct assist. I'll have one in my book. I'll, I'll, I'll have, I'll have know, a book this in my book, stats this, book. This book. <laughs> yeah. I, I do collect assists in there because I'm a bit sad. But, uh, yeah. you, you know what? You give me stick. I mean, you know, <laughs> I start, start of the pod giving me stick and since then he's he's shown that he's... Whatever nerd thing I've got, Preno's, especially with Evan, is just like way up there. And, and Gav, rightly Gav so. knowledge is power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Data. data. data yeah, yeah. Speaking of data and knowledge, Gav, you were uh, reminded of... Uh, a quirk of fate with before we came in. Exactly, uh, Phil Cancelo. I've known a long time. Razor Mayside pointed out uh, on Twitter to us, Phil, that um, it, it, the last time Huddersfield got relegated before this season was in 1972, and they sold us a goalkeeper then. Oh, they don't. Who <laughs> <laughs> uh, was uh, David Lawson? Signed for a, a, I think it was a record fee for a keeper of eighty thousand pound. And the one thing I would know, and Preno would agree with me is that he was not an £80,000 goalkeeper. <laughs> and uh, hopefully Lossel will prove himself you know, to be yeah. far better, um, and I'm sure he will be. Yeah, Gav reminded yeah. me that he was apparently very impressive in his first season, season at yeah, Goodison. Yeah. My first season watching Everton was 74-75, and he was so impressive, Di Davis managed to keep him out for half of that season. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he cost us the League Cup final in 77. He was responsible for the goals in the 77 semi-final. Yeah. How far off he was? He up? No, that's not good there. That's not good there. He wasn't impressive. The, in the two key games in 77, April 77, the League Cup final at Trafford and the FA Cup semi-final against Liverpool. We conceded five goals and there's an argument to say that Lawson was responsible for all five goals. Oh, God. Which yeah. just shows you how uh, how bad he was. After what was a good start in 72-3 um, and he was just nowhere near the, the required uh, quality. Um, and that, that's funny, isn't it? Because you say... I'm saying that that's when you had two keepers who were like most clubs had two keepers who were like equal. You know, a lot of them had who were equal, and you could swap and change them, like you know. But then that comes back to yeah. the, the not the argument, but the discussion about signing relegated players. He's yeah. one you reliably tell me that wasn't good enough, and he went down with the oh, team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, uh, and it was, it was highly sought of, but sought after, but. Yeah, it never worked, and I just I just remember those two games, and we bought Georgie Wood then. I think I know did me in '77, who. Um, as I said on Twitter on Sunday was the last last week or whatever it was was the last player before Jordan Pickford to play every league game in his first two seasons of the year. Uh, oh, is that right? Club. Georgie yeah. Wood was a weird one because he was occasionally brilliant, absolutely brilliant, but then had a propensity to make the odd howler. Um, but you know, largely fondly remembered uh, because he was you know such a he had a great rapport with the crowd. You know, so yeah. he used to like you know 
play act and you know, sort of basically talk to the crowd during games. Not great for concentration, I would have thought, uh, but the crowd loved it. Uh, and he, he did produce some absolutely inspired performances. But then he had that little wobble, didn't he, when uh, he was called up by Scotland and yeah. uh, got his first Scotland caps. In fact, Ali McLeod came to watch him the day, same day that Ron Greenwood came to watch Bob Latchford in uh, a game against Newcastle United. Latchford scored twice and, uh, and ended up getting his uh, first England call-up. Georgie Wood conceded four in a 4-4 draw yeah. and uh, had to wait quite a while longer to get his call-up. And eventually he did get his call-up. I think it was against Argentina and was never particularly um, yeah. reliable. He, whether he... He couldn't handle a big occasion. I don't know. He got to move to Arsenal, you know. So after that, you know, something was decent for Arsenal for a year or so. Palace as well, didn't yeah. He? yeah, yeah. But he was he was not quite top level, you know. So absolute top tier. And that was always Bob Latchford's argument. He says that if Everton had bought Peter Shilton, who they were very very strongly linked with, you know, in the mid seventies, um, Brian Clough did make that, you know, sort of bold. He paid him an awful lot of money, uh, but got the rewards for it. Nottingham Forest became European champions, and he was a large part of that, Peter Shilton. And Latchford always argued that if Everton had bought Peter Shilton, they'd have won the league in 75. In 77, the, those howlers that cost us the League Cup and the FA Cup semi-final probably wouldn't have happened. Who knows? History could have been rewritten. It's two things about George Wood. His first thing is it was Maradona's first goal, wasn't he? The international goal was against George I Wood. Didn't know that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was no, he said the bad since he was a three-one yeah. game. The second yeah. thing was he was playing. He was playing in the reserve game, you know, because he got dropped, didn't he? I think uh, Mark Nods came in, didn't he? Nice. He says he was playing in the reserve game at Goodison, and I think came over to the Tannoy. I said, you don't get now, do you? Yeah. Well, somebody registration. <laughs> Car, blah blah blah. He's <laughs> moving. It was George Woods. <laughs> had to stop the game to move. Oh my word! Yeah. Oh dear, oh dear. And come back, you know. Yeah, it'll break the internet. Now, yeah, yeah. It? And uh, oh, the same games are there. Uh, it's tell you because they're less regulated than those days. Yeah. Where I'd far more quirky, unusual stories than. Uh, well, Tano announces a good game, Richard. Yeah. I mean, if you remember Billy Butler used to do at the Radio yeah. Merseyside DJ in the seventies, and oh, he, he would get sacked now for some of the things he used to. Do. Stunts yeah, he used to pull. Um, Olchenkamp played there in an FA Cup tie, if you remember, in 74. Yeah. And he put a tanning announcement out telling Olchenkamp that once the match is finished, your team bike will be parked outside <laughs> the uh, dressing room. Uh, when kids used to invade on the pitch, he would say, come on, kids, get off the pitch. I'll set Tommy Smith on you if you don't move. <laughs> and, you know, just all kinds of, like, yeah. mad little quirks. And, oh, you he, got into trouble I, nowadays. I, I remember we played there, uh, Mad City, in the Cup quarter final, 81, and Billy, Billy was the... Uh, the um, the PI and he said there uh, should there be a result today then uh, Evan will be playing in the semi-final at Villa Park you know like yeah. all the City fans are going mad like you know but yeah that's I mean, that's, 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 things are similar similar happened to uh, to us when we played Chelsea in the League Cup semi-final under Moyes uh, what was that 2007 eight, seven, yeah. and, and the, the pitch on pitch announcer at Chelsea said uh, hello, Everton fans. Welcome to a semi-final. Oh, oh yeah, I wow. remember that. Yeah, they've been a bit naughty like that yeah. over the years, haven't they? Yeah. Well, we have got very politically correct nowadays. Yeah, you can get yeah. away with that in the seventies and eighties, yeah, but maybe not there now. Was a, there was an Ipswich one, I think, where they had to put a uh, Gordon Lee forgotten his chewy, and the coach server had the uh, had the keys to the coach, but he wasn't like sitting in the dugout, so they had to put announcements on the tannoy or Ipswich. Well, the coach. I would go back <laughs> to the Evan coach and get the chewies for Gordon Lee, you know what I mean? Because obviously a manager can't get through a football, football match without chewing yeah, gum. And <laughs> I, that's all disappeared to a degree. It's so sanitised now, that like naivety and like, 
a little bit more humor as sadly as sadly gone but yeah reserve games are uh I've, I've done loads of stuff over the years about reserve games that have gone wrong completely it's far more uh far more entertaining than the first team matches but yeah george, george was a decent keeper wasn't he for a couple of years he was but yeah martin, that just shows me martin hodge was his deputy yeah and martin hodge then had a long career didn't he, he was good Sheffield wednesday in the 80s you know and talked of as being an England keeper. Did you know he finished third in the 1980 Save of the Season competition? And, uh, <laughs> and it was it was right in front of me. It was one of those moments. It was the FA Cup semi-final against West Ham when Billy Bonds connected with a header from about six yards. And it's one where your heart sinks and you just think, oh, it's a goal. And then there's just an athletic save from out of nowhere. And I was so disappointed it was only voted third. I thought oh, it should have been the winner. I can't remember which save yeah. beat it, but it was isn't, a great save. You booked there, you finished first. It isn't. And another yeah, little yeah. aside, I've won a five-a-side tournament playing in Southport oh, once. That's the whole point, <laughs> and, the whole point of this and, conversation, you know, so, and, it, and, you know? and we left, uh, you know, we just won the competition and yeah. thought, oh, that's the end of it, left. And we were told subsequently Martin Hodger turned up half an hour later to present the winning team with medals, and we'd gone home. So uh, I missed the opportunity to get a medal from Martin Hodge. One for the teenagers this week. <laughs> well, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I feel we've lost our way somewhat, yeah. but uh, meandering through... Uh, Everton's history with the goalkeepers. You've started uh, it, Phil. Yeah, on to topic, be, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, on yeah. top. But no, entertaining nevertheless. Yeah. Um, the final part of today's podcast, as promised, Jao uh, Pedro Souza, uh, Michael Silva's number two, his right-hand man, his trusted assistant at every club Marco has been manager, remains in talks with Famali Chao. Uh, I probably pronounced that incorrectly. Portuguese club who are coming up into the top tier of Portuguese football. Um, next season and he is in line to be their new manager um, but do you feel like maybe enough hasn't been made of the fact that Marco could be losing such an integral part of his backroom staff well that was given like you say he's, he's always been with him that's the thing with um, Marco he does have that tried and trusted staff but it, it, yeah it's a, it's a significant moment but it needn't be all doom and gloom for Everton. Remember, obviously, David Moyes had uh, Alan Irving there as his mm. number two and then brought in Steve Round, and that ended up seemingly, from the outside, being rather seam- a, a seamless transition. It didn't affect the results on the pitch. But, yeah, if he's been with him from the start, it obviously, I think, more f- for Marco himself, it's a, it, it's a big thing. Trying to any thoughts about Marco losing somebody who clearly is, you know, a confidant, if you like, and and, and, a, and a long-time trusted ally. Yeah, it's 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 a concern, certainly. Um, an awful loss tends not to be made about uh, assistant managers and number twos, but they can be so so important. Um, you know, a big part of Everton's history is when Colin, you know, was re- basically reunited with Howard mm. and uh, you know elevated from the youth team to work alongside him with the first team. Um, you know, Brian Clough and Peter Taylor never the same apart. You know, so some managerial teams are double acts effectively. Um, across the park, I mean, the, the counter to that is Jurgen Klopp lost his long-term trusted, you know, so right-hand man mm-hmm. in uh, Buvac, mm-hmm. and uh, seamless, like absolutely didn't make any difference whatsoever to them because the the backup team that they built there, mm-hmm. you know, was so was so big, was so impressive. Now, equally, Everton have got a big backup team there. You know, so Duncan Ferguson is part of the setup. There are other Portuguese assistants that have come with Marco. We don't know quite, you know, so what input and influence they have. But if this guy has worked with Marco throughout his entire managerial career, which he has, it's clearly a blow you know, to be losing a man like that. And it will clearly be very, very interesting to see whether he does elevate somebody from within to fill that role or brings in somebody completely, you know, so from outside. Uh, but we won't know basically until we can speak to Marco until we see how things operate, you know, sort of next season. 
But yeah, it's a little bit of a concern. Mm. So I don't want to attach too much significance to it, but you know, it, it, it's a little bit of a worry. Um, understanding is, Gav, that, that Silva has not been surprised. You know, it's something that's perhaps you know, João Pedro Sousa has, has made him aware of for, for yeah. a while that he had intentions and ambitions to be a manager in his own right. But you know, even for even from the very the most basic um, facet of this of this sort of this story, in that people will see who go to Goodison and go to the away games. Often, Zhao uh, uh, Souza is up off the touchline in Marco's ear. Often, you know, when the set piece is, he's the one that's shouting across yeah. and trying to organise it. You know, and that's you know, it's not it's not a given that the, the right man will be the, the the replacement will be the right fit and be able to replace what he offered. Absolutely, I, I could what's been said previously. Yeah, it's gone under the radar and be be a share Plano's concerns. I think it is quite a. It, it, it's an issue that that will need to resolve, and um, I think what I would say as well, compared to saying like Moyes losing Evan and stuff, is it's his first year at Evan, isn't it? So he's still mm. getting to know the club, and he's still like not working in his own country, isn't he? So having people who are familiar to you is is yeah. a big yeah. is a big, big 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 plus there, isn't it? Uh, that continuity, I think, in terms of bedding in. Uh, so I, I do think it's a concern. I'd, I've never heard of that team, by the way, until like <laughs> you mentioned I it last week. Yeah. Um, at the same time, sometimes partnerships can be a little bit stale, can't they? And sometimes you do need like somebody to give fresh input. And I'm not saying that it's the case with Marco because probably isn't, probably, almost certainly isn't. But managers sometimes around them with like yes man, mm. he'll just like agree to have done that. The, the ones and stuff and that's why sometimes they have these long partnerships sometimes there's an opportunity if somebody else coming and can bring in and come in and bring yeah. in fre- fresh ideas so on the one hand I'm worried but at the same time the plus side is somebody could come in and, and look at things slightly different have a different relationship between with the players and that could be for, for everybody's benefit but my, my first thought of it when you broke the news last week was uh, yeah no, that's not this not great piece of news this mm. and people t- I would say underestimate the, the value of a of a of a, of a top class number two. Mm. Interesting. Well, we'll keep on top of that story. Is it is expected that João Souza will leave football club to go back to Portugal, but that's not confirmed yet. But we will bring you that news as and when it happens. Um, chaps, thank you very much for your company. Really enjoyed that. They uh, meander through various <laughs> topics at various periods in uh, Everton's history. Right up to the modern day with the confirmation that Jonas Lossel has signed a pre-contract agreement and will join on July the 1st. Um, thank you very much for listening. Remember, you can rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes and the Acast app, so please do so. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.